0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Alexa Rose Show. My name is Alexa Rose Carlin. I am your host, and I am excited to dive into this topic, interviewing yet another amazing thought leader uh, and talking about this um, idea that this thought leader had, turned it into reality, and now she's created something where anyone, anywhere can share images and get hired for their creative skills. We're gonna dive into her story, the lessons learned to help you achieve your dreams and goals. So hang in there for another episode on the Alexa Rose Show. Each individual taking massive amounts of action to pursue what they love and today that is what we're focusing on we're focusing on your growth and your success all right your growth and your success the lexa rose show focuses on helping you achieve your biggest craziest Out there, dreams and goals, helping you gain the courage and confidence to act on your passion, share your voice, and grow your dreams. Because I believe that when more people are doing what they love, the world becomes a better place. And there shouldn't be any obstacles, any challenges that get in your way. I am excited to have this podcast exclusively produced on Colin. It is a social podcasting platform. Thank you so much, Colin, for your amazing partnership. And with that said, let's dive into introducing this episode's guest, Christina. Hawatma is the CEO of Scopio, an image marketplace of more than 300,000 photos from photographers in 150 different countries. As the CEO of Scopio, she oversees the vision and the growth. She's the founder of the first female-founded NFT marketplace and first photography-focused NFT marketplace. She was named Top Entrepreneurs to Follow by New York Finance, featured in CNN, Business Insider, and Forbes. And she has a historical book coming out with her co-founder called The Year Time Stopped, The Global Pandemic in Photos that will serve as a historical record and time capsule for the year of the pandemic. So it could be shared with generations to come christina thank you so much for being on the show welcome
1: thank you and we're
0: actually now at a million
1: images so hopefully next time we talk it'll be five and then ten and a billion one day
0: oh that's amazing (laughs) so so awesome so i mean can you share let's just dive into scopio and and Mm -hmm. how you started it and why you started this company
1: yeah i you know i always um I mean, I, I hate to like be the, the saying the same thing as everyone else, but I always was ambitious ever since I was a little kid and I wanted to do something so big with my life. I mean, I, when I was reading your bio and I was seeing, you know, that you had gone through like in a coma and you know, now it makes so much sense to me why you have this urgency to help people. And I feel like I've had that urgency all my life too. For some reason I felt like you know time is limited and i want to do something as important as i possibly can through my life so i spent many years trying to figure out what that was and um and it took me down a very strange path because i i went so i went to college in uh in dc i went to george washington i went to study politics i thought i would be madeline Albright. <laughs> god rest uh, <laughs> her in peace um and then when i was there i actually Started to become super interested in the in Facebook groups and how people were like making so much action by joining on Facebook and then like organizing these events and like changing society. So I got super into that and nothing really came out of it. It was like two three years that I was just interested in that subject matter and just like thinking about it. And I ended up going to Columbia University for grad school, which was a dream of mine. I never thought I would be able to go to the number one foreign policy school in the world. Uh, I clawed my way in there. I actually was waitlisted the year before and was like, no way am I going to not make this happen for myself. And I did it. So um I that. So, so I and a lot of things in my life were like that. I, I don't think I ever got anything the first time around, um, but I ended up going there. And uh, and then when I was there, I just became obsessed with uh, images on Twitter and of people like. At that time, it was the Arab Spring and uh, my parents are from Jordan. So I always really connected with like the fact that, you know, it was such a always, there was always war. There was always conflict. It was always such a stigma to grow up as an Arab American. Um, and I saw for the first time people really fighting for their freedom and I wanted to save those images. So I figured out a way to find these engineers that helped me build um, like the system that would pull pictures from hashtags. And I ended up collecting 60 million of those images. And uh, it was crazy. Like, there was some things that I just, like, I'll never unsee. uh, Even, like, images of, like, ISIS. It was just crazy. And I I then realized, I mean, I got some, like, kind of attention at school. I ended up becoming on the front page of the Columbia Spectator, which was a big deal for somebody that kind of just had this little idea. And um, so I just kept going with it and going with it and going with it and adjusting my life completely for this idea. Like I would change my classes. I stopped going out. I would spend all my time in the lab. I would ask everybody for help. I also knew at that time that I was on a time limit. So I was about to, I was going to graduate. It was a two year year program. And I was like, the second I leave here, people aren't going to be like paid to help me, basically, (laughs) or like these resources are not going to be available for me. And I kind of knew that. So I did everything in my power to maximize that time. And actually, like I thought it would happen right then and there, but it ended up taking me a journey of 10 years before I could actually create this place where anybody could share their images, where I could actually get the rights for them. Because even if I save them, I I couldn't do anything with them without people saying it's okay to distribute it. So um, I I was like, you know what? Image sharing. And when you see something like an image, it really changes your life. And if I'm going to be doing something for the rest of my life like why not this topic. This is interesting, it's helpful, it's only going to get worse and worse and here we are like you look at everything happening in Ukraine. It's the same story, you know, everyone's trying to share their perspective and nobody can see it and social media is so noisy so uh it's been like a wild journey.
0: Wow, wow. So you said so many different points that I want or important Like things that you said that I want to point out. There you go. Um, and four things you said, time you felt like time is limited, and that's definitely something I felt before. And so many people have always said, Oh, just be patient. You have so much time, you're so young, but there's this like incessant need to achieve something at a certain time for some reason so i'm glad that you uh recognize that um i have that you have that and hopefully you know if anyone else um has that and people are telling them you know just be patient it's okay it's something that is it's hard to explain but it's this intuitive feeling that you have to chase after your dreams and, and and do it as fast as, as you can while, of course, still enjoying the journey. And the other thing you mentioned is that you didn't get anything the first time. So anyone that's been going after a dream, a goal, and they've been hit with rejection knows this, but I love that you just didn't take no for an answer and you kept going. And when you mentioned that you found engineers to build the platform, so do you um, – are you not on the coding side like of your business?
1: No. And and when I started, there wasn't like web platforms either. So you had to build a website from scratch. And I remember like my dream looked very different. Like I thought I was going to build an app and I'm actually just now building an app and it's coming out in July. And it took me 10 years to have the resources and funding to build an app. I had to build a website I had to do things very like uh, kind of bootstrapped or actually very bootstrapped. And I ended up even like in the first engineering things that I did, I couldn't even keep those because um, there was a lot of changes and I was affected by things like the Cambridge Analytica thing that happened with Mark Zuckerberg and they shut down everybody's ability to search on Instagram. So then I, so that's when I had to create, I just used Shopify and I ended up just getting people to upload their photos through Shopify and, Now I'm the largest site on Shopify for photos, and it's totally random in comparison to what they actually do. And it's just kind of like finding whatever way you can, and and that's why you can't be obsessed with the product. It has to be more about what you actually want to change in the world or what you want to help, not like, what do I believe? Like, everyone, every time I meet an entrepreneur, they're like, I really, or somebody that wants to be, they're like, I really want to build this, but it's so expensive. And then I'm like, because you're focusing on what you're building, you're not focusing on like actually what you want to help people with.
0: Right. And, and I always say there's a million ways to get to where you want to be. Don't ever give up on the first try and find a way, right? That's what you did. And I think a lot of times, um, People that have this idea, they think, "Well, I don't know coding. I don't know how to create, um, you know, an app on the blockchain or an NFT or um, build a website." But there's so many people out there that know how to do that, yet they don't have the idea. And and so, just like you, you're a founder that does not have the the side of the engineer. You had to, you know, you found people to build it for you. Um, and it took a long time, like ten years in the making. Um, And that's really important that you stuck with your vision because as you said, you really focused on what you wanted to create, not all the obstacles or challenges in how to do it or how expensive it was. And that kind of uh, pivots to my next question would be, what would you say has been your biggest challenge in these 10 years of growing Scopio? Oh my God, I'd love to know yours first. My, my well, mine is a personal obstacle, which has been my near-death experience. Because once your health has been taken from you, uh, mm. you know it, you can't really do anything. And that was something where I was waiting, waiting, waiting for something to change until I finally yeah. accepted, right, and adapted to the situation. So, 100, percent that's been my biggest challenge.
1: Yeah, I think uh, like in the in a kind of similar vein is mindset and your mind. Um, I think that's the biggest challenge. You're talking about getting your mind to believe something that is not real. Um, And like believing in yourself and waking up every day and doing the same thing over and over again. If people did what they were passionate about for 10 years, anybody could do that thing. Like Mm -hmm. it does. It's because they do it for six months, three months, nine months. they start it. They stop it. If you wake up every day and you do it every day, you're going to get somewhere. And even if you're, you know, selling, I don't know, coconuts on the side of the road, you, you will keep growing that and learning from it. And you'll, you'll end up becoming like a coconut manufacturer, whatever your, your dreams will evolve from that. But I think the hardest thing for me is, is despite so much, it's like the world doesn't want you to do this. Everything mm-hmm. is built, society is built for people not to do an individualistic path. It's built for you to be in community with other people to go through what everybody else is going through. So the alienation that occurs, the mindset shift that needs to happen is so hard. And it's like the wherewithal to do it and the comparison. And it's just tough. Like the numbers are against you. So I think that is something you have to learn how to deal with and to grow with it and being like, you know what, this is worth it to me. I want to do this with my life um, you know, versus all these other things that you're missing out on and that you maybe think like, I can't do this or why me, or, um, that would never happen to me or like some things like that. But I never really felt like I wasn't good enough. Like I always knew I was smart enough and I always knew I could work hard enough. So it never was like that complex. It was more of just like the difficulties of every door being closed in my face. That would, that is hard. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you have to sacrifice things. You have to sacrifice things and you have to have that deep, deep belief in yourself uh, to be able to continue on for 10 years um, without really knowing that is it going to work out? Like you just have to believe that. I mean, you hear so many successful stories like that. I mean, do you know the book The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho? Yeah, of course. So yeah, I mean, that story, he got turned down by every big publisher, said this book will never be a success. And now it's sold millions and millions of copies in multiple languages, but it took 10 years. It took a long time. And I've been an entrepreneur since I'm 17 and I've had the same mission, but the business and the vehicle to get there has looked different over the years, but it's, you know, it's been over 10 years now. So I think that's really important that you people realize um, they see all of this fast success online, but it takes a long time to achieve that real sustainable success. And now you know you've you've worked so hard and you've and now you have Scopio, which is um, so so. Actually, that's what I wanted to ask. Did you pivot Scopio to now be an NFT marketplace versus what you originally started it as?
1: Yeah, so so on Scopio, basically anybody in three minutes can upload their images, and then they can also like list their skill sets and be hired on them. We work with like some of the most famous things that you've iconic things that you've seen lately on billboards um, and uh, in like on TV and advertising, we've brought these diverse artists from different places that, and brought them into these places that were like so high barrier, they would never get in. So my mission was always like, let me tell the story of the person that can't do it. Let me hold their hand. Let me get them through. And by the way, Alexa, the biggest issue these people have is not that they're not talented enough, but they don't believe that they can do this project. They don't believe they're good enough for it. So it's been a wild experience to work with these artists because, I'm seeing their talent. I know that they can do it. But the mindset, again, is so hard when you're working with these, like, huge names that you get nervous and scared. So my team is really helping people, like, get through that hurdle. And I want people to realize that's the only blocker they're getting bet- between this, their dreams and, like, their talent. And there's that huge gap. So on the site, and we did that because we realized that people not only have these great photos, but obviously – They're so talented, and I wanted to do more for them, and I wanted to get them more money because they get paid on their images. Now they get paid on hiring, Um, and we do that for 150 countries, by the way. So my biggest issue has been over the past like four years is that I have to pay people in like Turkey, Nigeria, uh, China, Russia, uh, South America, places where they don't accept PayPal. So I'm struggling to pay them. They have money in their accounts along comes the blockchain and NFTs. And I'm like, wait, mm. I can, they can automatically get their money without me even having to hold it and then distribute it. And they can split their, their money. Like, so if you're taking, a, Alexa's taking a photo of me, um, she can give me a percentage of that photo. I never was able to do that. That's not how it works in copyright. The photographer gets the money, the, the model in the photo doesn't get anything. Um, in addition, you can also add your, add another wallet like a charity component. So as you're selling, everybody is making money with you, and they're growing with you. And then all of those global bottlenecks that these governments have imposed on us go away. So I was like, sign me up. This is my thing. I've been waiting for this. I'm ready for this. I hear a lot of people like talking all sorts of things. But in my perspective, just these like issues being solved are so radical that I'm on board. And so oh, that's why yeah, I jumped on amazing. it. And I was the first And I was like, I'm going to, I moved all of my resources to get us on, to get us selling through Solana on the site. So now you can buy, you know, more than a million images on, on Sol and that will grow. And it's been really like awesome. I love it. It's, it's actually like freeing.
0: Well, I think that's what makes uh, you an innovator and someone that's going to continue to grow and find success is that you see that the world is changing and you either change with it Adapt to it or change to make it better versus resisting change, being like, Oh my gosh, I just spent all this time, so many years, so much money building this platform. Now I have to redo the whole thing to work on the blockchain. And I see a lot that, you know, that's what happened to Blockbuster. That's what happens to a lot of companies. And so I love that you saw that opportunity because I think it is such an amazing solution for what you provide for photographers, artists, creatives to get paid and and for you to have less work as the middleman in a way and you just provide the platform and market that platform.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So when you were um, so in the last uh, few years, what um, made you decide to now venture into becoming an author? And how does this book um, incorporate your platform in a way of like all the different imagery that's featured in it? Um, Are those artists or photographers part of this project? Um, You know, how did you go about to really create um, this book?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll start off on a light note, which is the fact that I'm becoming an author is I can't tell you how proud my parents are. (laughs) <laughs> and I mentioned earlier be. that um, I, my parents are immigrants. And so everything that I've been doing for 10 years, I think has confused them a lot and they're doctors. So they're very like kind of straight. And um, and so the, when I said, I'm going to have a book, it's going to be in Barnes and Noble, Target, Amazon, Walmart. They've never been more proud ever. So I think also a lot of people have been telling me, what does it feel like, um, you know, to be an author? And I think for, for me, it really means that I was able to create something like so like real um, that everybody could understand it. And that, for me, is super exciting, that everyone can understand, oh, she made this book.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, big congrats. I mean, I know it's no easy feat, so you should definitely be super proud of yourself.
1: Thank you. And, and, the, and the, what makes me even more proud of it is that we talked about 10 years, but I actually failed, if you think about it, at my first time trying this. I wanted so hard to save that moment in time in 2013, 14 of all of these incredible freedom images from the Arab spring. And then it was Venezuela. And then there was the wall street protest and there's all these important things. And I was like, Oh, I'm not ready. Oh my God. My site doesn't work. And I was like, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I can't get this to work. And then the biggest event of our lifetime happened. And I was like, Oh my God, people are uploading their pictures about this and telling these incredible stories. Like I had to wait that long for something that I wanted to do so badly. And I couldn't do it because I was techno I didn't have the technology to facilitate all the licenses, the rights to it, to get people to actually like upload, like getting somebody to go on their phone or their computer, click on a picture and upload it into something I built,
0: you know, talk about so- timing, right? But people say your, your dreams happen at the right timing, we have to trust the journey. And like you said, you tried to do this multiple times, it didn't work out. And then when it's a huge opportunity to create some historical book that will be, you know, passed down to document the real emotions of the pandemic. And then all of a sudden, you know, here you are with the platform, and the resources to make it happen.
1: And you know what, as soon as COVID hit, I knew that I was gonna do that. Like I put it in my mind, that I was going to collect these pictures and that I was going to be, re- I was going to save this. So from I started basically getting, and I, we started to get them, and I didn't know what I was going to do with them. But then um, Harper Collins is one of my customers, and they were buying photos for their books, and they're buying like photos of like nothing, like t- too like uh, I don't know, just nothing really like big. And then I was telling them, you know, like, have you read some of these stories? They're pretty crazy. Like they make you want to cry and laugh and I don't know what to do when I'm reading them. And then they're like, you know what? We should publish a book together. Um, and it was wow. so nice because it was such a position of power that they gave me and they gave me that freedom. And i had a complete editorial freedom over this book. And it was just like them kind of saying okay to me and being like, you know what? This is important we're going to let
0: you do it. That's amazing. I mean, every author's dream. (laughs) That is so awesome. So definitely a big testament to, you know, putting your mind to something and believing in it and then, and then allowing the universe to work its magic, but the magic comes with a lot of hustle, but,
1: but I exactly, but I asked, I, I told everybody about it. That's the thing. I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. And I told everybody, this is what I'm doing. This is what I have. And then eventually, eventually it took until November of 2020 before I told the right person that.
0: Amazing. So, so from that point, you know, um, now you're ready to launch the book. So the book's going to be available, uh, you know, in the next week or so, right? Uh, June 21st. June 21st. People can pre-order it right now. If you're listening to this episode afterwards, it's available, you know, uh, across different bookstores online. Uh, it's called the year time stop the global pandemic in photos. So definitely check it out, but I want to jump back to your, um, company and some, uh, different questions I had regarding your growth, which I know a lot of, uh, the people that listen to this, uh, podcast, um, my audience, they're all working towards growing their, their dream, whether it's Mm -hmm. as a a founder and CEO for their business, uh, a coach, an author, a speaker. And so one of the biggest obstacles people find is that they are trying to rise above all the noise because there's so much online. There's so many people, you know, doing so many different things and they're trying to market their business, their personal brand. And I would love to know, like, how have you marketed your platform to get, you know, a client like HarperCollins to even work with you?
1: I think you're the biggest advocate of whatever you're doing. So, you know, I have for a long time only had myself to like really my communication, I guess. I think you really need to be able to to communicate, to to learn, to kind of share what you're working on. So many people like go to dinner and they'll be with other people or they'll be at an event and they'll be like working on something remarkable. They don't even bring it up. You know, bring it up. Bring up what you think about. Bring up what you care about. Let your family know. Let your friends know. Like keep trying to kind of open that up. The, The universe will listen to you. If you keep hiding that, then no one can help you and no one's going to copy your idea. You know, no one, how many people like, think of how simple my idea is. (laughs) Like, why hasn't anyone done it? Because it's just, somebody has to do it, do the work. Um, so I think you, I think I also did something, uh, at the same time, when I started to, to collect those COVID photos and curate them, I realized, you know what, I, I, these people are so interesting. Why don't I just talk to them? So I opened a podcast, Called the Authentic Photographer, it's on, and it's on Spotify and Apple. And I started to interview like five times a day, people that were using my website. And I talked to them and learned about how creative they were, and then it gave me more ideas and more ideas and more ideas. So I think really communication, talking with people, and using yourself. Um, I don't think we have the luxury in business anymore not to be able to to, to, or to be able to have a business without actually needing ourselves. People need to hear from you. And somebody even told me like once the, you know, the founder takes you to a million in revenue, no matter who you hire, no matter what you do, you, the founder does it. And it's that happened to me. So um, it's a I crazy thought. That. Yeah, it's a crazy thought that like all these better salespeople and all these better people like can't do it. But I, it just depends on what business you're in. But I always think like you always should just you do use yourself as much as you can.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. You have to be your biggest cheerleader. And I always tell this to, to my community, like talk about what you're doing to everyone, everywhere. Like I've had so many crazy interactions, um, you know, when I'm out, um, at a, at, you know, sitting at a bar with some friends and I meet someone and I start talking and then all of a sudden that turns into an opportunity or actually one of the craziest stories. Um, I was, I just flew into LA. I was there for a press tour and I was, uh, meeting some people to, uh, work on producing our Woman Empower X conference in LA, which happened back in 2020 before the pandemic. But I was in this Uber, um, car and he, the guy was like, "Oh, you know, why are you here?" I guess he picked me up from the airport, and I started to share about my company, about the conference, and he's like, "Oh, you have to meet my friend. She's all about this. She's a great speaker." And he, ha- I actually gave him my business card. He put me in touch with her, and she became one of our top sponsors for Wax LA conference. From just talking wow. to you know someone that is is driving their Uber car, like oh, it's the opportunities are endless. But I. When I was uh, starting um, one of my, well, I guess growing my first business, I was now in college. I never spoke about what I was doing, uh, except my, the only people that knew were was uh, my roommates because I wanted to fit in. I didn't, you know, I wanted to party. I wanted to, you know, talk about what everyone else is talking about. And I didn't have that confidence to share what I was doing. And that's why it wasn't growing. And so that's why, you know, I'm such a big advocate wow. for exactly what you said is like, speak more, share your story, use your voice to grow your business and brand. Because as you mentioned, you are your best salesperson to grow your company. And one thing I wanted to ask, you know, did you self fund this or did you have to go out there and find that courage to pitch investors or even pitch other partners?
1: So when I, um, when I graduated, um, uh, Columbia they had started something called Columbia Startup Lab and it was it's on Varick Street and basically it extends you another year after till you graduate for all the people that have ideas and every school gets to pick their top kind of people like one or I think two ideas and you sit there for a year and you pay it's just like a, it's like a WeWork you pay for your workspace but then they always like bring people in to like hey what are you working on and I think this is one of the mo- was the, one of the most frustrating times of my life because every other company in there was getting opportunities but me. And I don't know if that's my own opinion, but I felt like every time I was trying to do something, like it was like never okay. Like and I think at that time there was a lot of a few female founders that really worked so hard and got their funding and got like really like made a lot of noise and then it kind of like opened a little bit. But at that time I remember, like, the boys would all be like laughing, drinking beers, getting funding, and I was like dying till like 1 a.m. every day from like all day, all day, all night working and meeting everybody. And I was like, how can this is so hard? And they actually like uh, suggested that I just go straight for like these big million dollar tickets. Okay, so they're like, go to these investors, they're friends of the university, da da da, and tell them like what you're working on. Try to get like two million dollars. Okay, like, like, hello, reality, that doesn't happen. <laughs> it do- But the thing is, watching it next to you happen to people and not happen to you is the most depressing thing, like you can imagine. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm here. What's the difference between me and you? Like, I'm sitting right next to you. Why do you get to celebrate and all this stuff? And I can't like, and, and like, that's what made me realize how much I love this idea and how much I cared about my dreams. Because um, because it just like. And, and like there was even this really hard story where like one of the women, like she really wanted to get funding. And um, then one of the directors, like I might get in trouble saying this, but was basically like, look at this other female founder. She has a fifty five thousand dollar revenue business a year. Why can't you aspire to making money like that? So we're talking about people raising two, five, ten million dollars for their dreams. And then we're talking about a woman that has a fifty five thousand dollar a year business. And that's what they're suggesting the path to go down. See how demoralizing that is. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's crazy. So, and this is is supposed to be at the best institution in the world, you Mm -hmm. know? So, so then, so then I was like, okay, this is horrible. So what I ended up having to do was um, I ended up, I got a $30,000 investment. So I got $30,000. Then my parents saw on TV, this thing called arch grants, which was this grant by St. Louis city that gives you $50,000 to relocate there for one year. And it was like, there's thousands of people that apply to it. And, um, and they were like, you should try this. At least you can come home. You'll have some money. You can build your website, your little website. So I did it and I pitched. and It was really hard, but there was like a lot of people there and they were from all over the world. And um, I got it. So I got 50,000 in a grant and then I had $30,000, um, for my investment. So I used that to build my website. Then as soon as this program ended, and my, my whole company, everyone stayed in New York. I was just like, all my friends were having fun. My co-founder was there. I was stuck in St. Louis. I didn't want to be there for just because this was like the money I got, but I got a lot mm-hmm. of opportunities and it's a great organization. If there's young entrepreneurs here that would like 50,000 grant, you can use my name, uh, apply to it. And then I got, um, and then i got into 500 startups the day the program ended so i moved from st. louis to silicon valley and then my whole world opened up after that
0: wow that's that's amazing so but you see how you know it's interesting because in today's world everyone's talking about virtual work right and or hybrid work but you can be located anywhere and do anything would you say that what you were experiencing back then still holds true today, or is it different in the sense of being in proximity to people where the action is, like Silicon Valley or New York City um, or Austin, or uh, can you effectively network virtually if you live in St. Louis?
1: It depends on if your business makes money or not. <laughs> So if you have a big idea that like requires funding, then you need to be where people are going to give you funding, even if it is getting twenty thousand, thirty thousand, fifty thousand, and so. And that's what I did. I did that for a long time, and um, th- so th- that's building up that network. And those are conferences for sure. You go if, even if you live wherever Milwaukee, anywhere you live, if you go to these big tech conferences, you're going to meet a lot of people. You'll collect a lot of emails. Then you keep in touch with them online, that's totally fine. But I think you really do need to, especially if you're like an underdog, like you really need to get them to like you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like simple, like, why should I care about this person? Why should I help them?
0: And that usually- No, it's relationship building for sure. Face
1: face to face, yeah. But you know what? At the same time during COVID, I, I was really, I feel like got a lot of luck too, because people gave you the benefit of the doubt because nobody could travel. So I think what you can do is really get a nice online profile, hire a photographer in your local area, get a nice headshot, make sure you keep your channels strong. Then people will feel like they know you because you have enough information that they can judge who you are.
0: Right. That's definitely how I've been able to grow and still booking like speaking gigs without going to these conferences throughout the, Mm -hmm. the last two and a half years. But Uh, Of course, I started a conference for the purpose of connection, so I'm all about that in-person ability, but in between those in-person events i think there is like so much opportunity to one be seen by your target audience whether that's an investor or a client or customer and also continue to use your voice to create that brand awareness so when you do go to those conferences people are like oh yeah i've seen you across linkedin or i listened to your podcast or what what whatever that may be so i think uh right now it's all about that that hybrid but i it, it is interesting to see, uh, depending on your business and your needs, that being where the action is still is very valuable because you always have an opportunity to meet other people, whether you're at a bookstore or coffee shop. Uh, there's just so many people doing amazing things. That's what I realized moving to the triangle, the Raleigh, North Carolina. There's so many startups here. And same when I lived in New York City, which is very different than when I lived in Boca Raton, Florida. <laughs> so um, really think about you know anyone that's listening and, and doing a startup. You don't have to move, but you need to think about what you need, where do those people live, interact, what are they doing, and how can you get in front of them, uh, whether virtually or in person. So, with and how that, big
1: we- do you want your ideas to be? Like, how, what do you want to do? Like, what's your end game? Like, what do you want in 10, 20 years to have accomplished? And then you have to work back from there.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, I was actually going to ask you that question. So, with that, uh, what is your big vision for yourself? You know, where do you see yourself in 20, 30 years from now?
1: I mean, what I what has been really helpful for me is like I often will get like an email, or I'll get like these like really tangible ways in which that I feel like we've helped people, whether we've gotten them money, whether we've given them an opportunity they never would have gotten, we opened a door for them, like we got them on an article, like we've we've been able to do so many micro things for so many people that that makes me feel like I'm doing something every day important and especially when people see something and they and their their mind might shift a little bit so i think the, like having a lot of those in my life makes me feel like i'm doing the right thing um so i'd like to continue to do that i actually am very interested in storytelling like i am now that the media medium of photography is evolving into like graphics and all the things you're seeing in 3d and storytelling. And I live in LA. So I feel like when I look at my book, I'm like, this should be a movie. You know, I, so I think a lot about like ways in which I could elevate my storytelling and how I can go beyond just like, you know, transacting on images because I don't feel like selling photos is what I do, but that's what's happening now. And also with the hiring So I think working within my mission and keep growing that, I I would love to do that. I want people to look at Scopio and think of, oh, Getty, oh, Flickr. Like, Scopio's name is in that bucket. And I really care a lot about, like, personal history, too. So, like, there's projects. Like, we did a Black History Month project where people uploaded their family photos from um, Black History. And I thought, like, there's so much we haven't seen, like, still. We just have this, like, 1% of information in the visual space like How do I get all of that so that it's like a database for everybody? So it's projects like that I really care about uh, moving forward on and just really making this brand known by everybody.
0: Well, the sky's the limit. I have every faith, uh, ounce of faith in you because you've been so resilient and continue to pursue your mission, adapt, pivot, change things, innovate, and, and that's what it takes to, to achieve any type of success. So now this is my last question for you, and I ask this to every podcast guest, is about this idea that it only takes one so i believe it only takes one person one decision or one action step that could possibly change your life forever so in your life what has been that one thing for you i mean well
1: recently it was the fact that that HarperCollins that meeting they gave me a chance to write this book i mean it was one meeting and i told you know i was telling the president uh about it and she was like we should make this a book and I was like okay and she asked me what she needed for me and I achieved that very fast and then it happened um that, that I was like but th- like the that one thing for me and I hope that in the future I remember this and that you remember this and everyone listening, is that it takes you the position of power to put your hand down sometimes like she had the power she gave it to me And that's what, when you want one thing, it's if you have the power to change them, to do something like that, and then in one second, like, you can change everything. And so to be the recipient of that felt so good. I'm sure it felt even better to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So that just goes back to what you said before, too, about talking about what you want and your ideas and your dreams and your goals. And, and you mentioned it in this meeting and that one meeting with that one person in power that gave you one opportunity that is now producing one book that could possibly change one reader's life that then changes the world. I, I mean, again, like you never know the impact you have, but I, but I love mm. that. So We went through, I mean, your journey is very inspiring. Uh, A lot of the different... Uh, thank you. The points that you made. Um, I just wanna reiterate about the journey of ten years, right? Don't give up after six months, after a year, after even ten years. Like if you want something, believe in yourself, go after it. Uh, you know, you may get a no and a no and a no and rejection continues to hit, but if again you believe in yourself, know that if you keep on trying, you'll finally get that yes or you'll create that yes for you. Uh, you don't have to be an engineer or know everything around how to make your idea happen. You just have to be willing and courageous enough to talk about it, pitch your idea Mm. to others who can help make it happen. And so, um, you know, with that, thank you so much for joining. Where can everyone find you, stay connected with you and, uh, order your book?
1: So the book is called The Year Time Stopped. It is on um, every major retailer. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. Um, it should be in distribution for the next years to come, so please remember it. Uh, our, it comes out June 21st. Our goal is to be a bestseller, so if you can pre order before then, I will thank you so much. <laughs> um, and you can find me on at Scopio Images, on all social media platforms, and at Christina Hawatma, H-A-W-A-T-M-E-H, um, on, yeah, on all social media platforms. I'd love to hear from you.
0: Well, thank you so much, Christina. Enjoyed this conversation. We'll definitely support you on your book launch because I know it is no easy feat at all. So (laughs) um, another congrats to you. And for everyone listening, thank you for being part of another episode of the Alexa Rose Show. Again, this is in partnership with Colin. Definitely tune into our episodes live by downloading the Colin app, uh, working on some different uh, more Q&A episodes as well if you want to. Be on the show. If you also uh, have someone that you'd like me to interview, shoot me a DM at Alexa Rose Carlin on any social media platform, because we are always looking for innovative thought leaders to uh, share tips and advice and insight on growing your dreams and achieving what some people may think is impossible because I don't believe that anything truly is. So with that, uh, again, my name is Alex Rose carlin Thank you so much. And we will uh, see you next week. Each individual taking massive amounts of action to pursue what they love. And today, that is what we're focusing on. We're focusing on your growth and your success.